Hey guys, this is Emmy from the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, and I've got what a treat for you, and what a week, right? It's been one heck of a busy week. We've been at the Gasparilla International Film Festival, and I've, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Paul Bear, giving you a little tease of that. But before I do all of that, I've got some special guests for you tonight. Uh, I am bringing with me Michael LeCastri and Marty Marrero. Now, let me tell you a little bit about these guys before I introduce them. Now, Michael is the producer, the writer, the director, and the lead of this film that he did called The Best Laid Plans, and Marty is the casting director. But that's not all that they are. See, Michael has worked extensively in film, theater, radio, and stand-up comedy for almost the last decade in the Central Florida area. Boy, I tell you what, uh, in order to do all that, you almost have to be a stand-up comic because those guys are one of the hardest-working people I know. Uh, Michael's a distinguished alumnus of the University of Central Florida Cinema Studies program. He's directed and written ten short films, several of which have been seen at film festivals across the country, including Tampa Bay's own TBCC Film Festival. As far as Marty, he, is apart from owning and operating the Thespis Rose Theater Talent Agency, is now transitioning as a casting director and has cast 99.9% of the roles for the independent film The Killing of a Japanese Bookie, which is a reinvention of the cult classic The Killing of a Japanese, a Chinese Bookie, rather, starring Ben Gazzara. He also cast for the independent horror film The Becoming, where he cast many supporting roles, and managed to cast Scream Queen actress Gerada Gerada, I hope I said that right, a reality show. Gerada Gerada. I apologize. Thank you. And a commercial okay. for CEO of Venue Magazine, Herman Echeverria, and the KWC Florida Division. Marty will also soon be casting for another independent horror film, Fat Camp Massacre. <laughs> that sounds that sounds great. And he looks forward to the whole. Actually, I already did, I already did. That's a little. Yeah, I already cast for that. Actually. Oh, you already and cast I, that. I, 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 yeah, that, <laughs> that's sorry, great. That no, yeah. no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. So, guys, I want to thank you very much. I, I want to say I'm, I'm pretty excited. This is the first time we've actually done a group interview on the Graveyard Shift. So, so congratulations. You are the first ones to have done um, right. an actually – like We're, glad, in, to be, we're yeah. glad to beat the inaugural, my friend. Yeah. So let me yeah. – so aside from this, so let me – so tell me a little bit, Michael, about um, – I guess since you're the producer, you can tell us a little bit about what you've brought into this movie, and then we'll go to, you know, obviously, Marty, if you want to jump in um, about this. Now, I will say, because we're all uh, kind of coming into this from different inputs, um, there, there's bound to be some delay. So, um, you know, we might interrupt okay. each other, but that just comes with the territory. So, anyway, Michael, if you could give us a little bit of background on the best laid plans. How did it come to be? Um, you know, why did you do it? And and, sure, and, and sure. just kind of where where is it at this point? Uh, as far as how it came to be, um, and I'll give a really, really brief uh, kind of overview of the plot here, but the film is about these three guys who have recently sort of graduated from college, and they're all having trouble finding work. And my character finds out that Due to a financial crunch that's happening with his family, um, and the news sort of just gets dumped on him, that he is about to be homeless. Um, and so him and his friends decide, they find out that a friend of theirs, they, they sort of go into this life of crime thing, but it doesn't really work out for them. Um, and they end up finding out that one of their old classmates, who was not by any means a nice person, uh, has won the lotto. And so their solution to this problem, because their sense of karma is so offended, uh, is to kidnap him. 
And so the movie becomes this sort of um, screwy kidnapping comedy. Uh, really, really, if I had to sort of sum it up in short, I would say that if Kevin Smith had made Fargo, uh, I'd like to think this would have been how it would have turned out um, in terms of tone and style. But wow, what, that, wow, that would have been one hell of an interesting movie. If I mean, it was a great movie yeah, in no, itself. No, definitely but, uh... would have. Um, and I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, but I also love the Coens. Uh, as to how it came about, I mean, I graduated from, uh, as you mentioned, the University of Central Florida back in 2011. And I had some trouble finding employment. So I, I sort of wrote this story about these guys that were, you know, having trouble finding work because it was something that was going on with me at that specific moment in time. Um, and what was interesting to me was at the beginning of 2016, I uh, spent a couple months in New York. I was living there at the time, and uh, I was trying to get representation, and it wasn't quite working out the way I had hoped. And uh, we were having dinner with a family friend of ours who works in the film scene in New York as an AD and a line producer, a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to tell him, you know, like, I can't get a meeting to save my life right now. Like, what should I be doing? And he's like, honestly, if you really want people to take you seriously, you need to be making a feature. And you need to make a feature about a story that you can relate to. And what was interesting to me was, I mean, I've written a bunch of features, but I had two specifically that were of a enough budget to where I could make them. Mm -hmm. And this particular story of the two stuck out to me more. Because I think a lot of people... Um, especially people my age and younger, are definitely feeling the crunch of the job market and the recession and how complicated everything has become with the economy. So, you know, and, and this gentleman had impressed upon me. He was like, you know, make something that you really relate to, that you really can connect to. Um, and so it, it wasn't really that much longer where I had to think about it. And I was like, you know what, this is the movie that needs to be made. Like, th this project wants to be made. Now is the time. Um, so, really, I mean, that that was how it came about. And there was a massive gap between, obviously, the writing of it um, and then the production. But what's interesting to me is how timely the story still feels. Um, as far as nothing has really changed. Um, I, I don't see any drastic difference upon, you know, from when I graduated college to now. Everything very much still feels the same. Now, when you say so, everything feels the same, do you mean like in the in the environment around the character? You mean like politically, socioeconomic? Oh, no, I mean, I mean politically and economically. Like a lot of my friends are working the same job they had in high school. Well, like so there's, there's not a lot – there has not been a lot of growth, and it's not because they're lazy or unintelligent. There just has not been a lot of opportunity for growth. Um, and so really this is me trying to wring laughs out of like – a really complex and in some ways really kind of sad situation, um, w which is that feeling that, like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, we went to – for years they sold us on the idea – I mean, and by us, I mean people my age – of this idea that if you go to college, you're guaranteed. You're guaranteed when you get out there will be opportunities for you, yep. and it's not like that. No, like, no, it isn't. The, the world that I came out of um, was vastly different than the world from when I went into college. And so, really, this film is an attempt to sort of capture the response to that and, and really sort of philosophically, to, in a lighthearted way, play with a question, which is how far 
are you willing to go when when the bottom falls out? You know, because I I think we're all really kind of one or two felonies away. You know, <laughs> we're all one or two paychecks away from committing a felony. I really believe. That. <laughs> Um, well, especially in this industry, I tell you what, man, you you get no exactly. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, you have no idea how many times I've contemplated killing some of my talent, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, uh, see, see, guys, guys, this is see. Now, that's a perfect example of a talent agent right there. Wants to kill talent. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> but he has a good reason. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Well, Marty is, and, and I will say this, was absolutely vital to the film getting off the ground. Um, and is one of, seriously, the thank nicest you. people I know. I'm not just saying that because he's my friend. Um, thank you, thank you. And I, say I, this I appreciate that. Because when I was doing my research to put together this film, one of the things that was really important that I found out, uh, and if you're looking to get into directing, please heed this one piece of advice. Um, if you want your film to stand out, you've got to have a name involved. And it doesn't have to be a big part, and it doesn't even have to be the biggest name. But you have to have some sort of name involved. Because otherwise, you could make the best movie ever, and no one will care. And it's not fair that it, it works out that way. Um, it, it's, it's unjust. It's frequently cool. Um, but I mean, if you want proof of this, go on Netflix. And look at how many really good movies are on there that you've never heard of or that nobody else has ever heard of it's not because they're bad it's because there are no names involved right so when i was trying to put the film together i was like i need i need to get names involved um and marty was gracious enough to with the very limited budget that we had um managed to get us not one but two names got us linnea quigley um horror icon from night of the demon and oh my gosh dead that yeah yeah you definitely know who she is and oh, yeah. uh and, and neil from the original texas chainsaw Massacre. that's unbelievable that that's yeah I, I, marty how did i don't know how you manage that buddy i mean wow. he's a miracle worker i always know. work my magic you know I've, i always tell when i deal with celebrity when i deal with producers and uh, clients and everything. I said, let me see if I can work my little magic. And that's usually what I do. It's it's knowing how to talk to them, going through middle people, sometimes bypassing middle people. Because sometimes when you go through the middle people, they're, they're more of an obstacle than than anything. They don't help you. Um, so, and the thing is, I it's not mentioned in my bio, but I'm a big horror fan. I'm like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to horror films. I love horror films. That was my little escape from my horrible childhood. I used to go and watch two to three horror films and karate films in Times Square. Um, that's when they used to call it the Grindhouse, okay? Right, I was so, just going to say, um, that was the Grindhouse era, yeah. Exactly, the Grindhouse. Um, and then the thing is, as I got into this field, you know, I got into the agency, I started to reach out to all these horror icons. I actually, some of them I'm friends with, some of them I know, they're acquaintances. So sometimes directly through them or sometimes, you know, directly through, through the celebrities or sometimes through people I know. And um, in the case with Linnea Quigley, uh, she happened to work with friends of mine. They actually do horror films. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but um, they did Jersey Shore Massacre and uh, Girls Gone Dead, which went to it went to DVD, Netflix. It did really well, 
okay? I've heard, I've heard and, of the, uh, uh, they, the Jersey Shore Massacre one. I've heard of that one. Yes, okay. Um, well, Linnea, she was in their first film, Girls Gone Dead. They were the producers. I met them because they had did a casting call. I became really good friends with them, the Tarnapoles. Uh, we even had lunch together. I actually ended up casting for their music video, uh, Fat Cat Massacre, which is a hoot. You have to watch it. It's on the special features for uh, Girls Gone Dead, the, the special edition. And then well, anyway, and you, can, you can see this where, I mean, on the Girls Gone Dead, you can go to like a – because there's not that many DVD stores still around. So where, where can people see the, the – Badly, no. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. It's, it's Jersey Shore Massacre. On oh. Jersey Shore Massacre, the DVD, if you can rent it on Netflix, I believe it's still available. The special features has uh, Fat Cat Massacre, the music, the video to it, and you will see uh, – Mike, my name's on there in the credits. I did the casting for it. Um, it's a hoop. It's, it's basically making fun of Vanilla Ice. Uh, the guy's name is Italian Ice, <laughs> and basically, <laughs> and he basically is an Italian version of Vanilla Ice back in the day. And then they show the clips of the Fat Cat Massacre. Okay, um, so anyway, getting back to the Tarnapools, when I came through for them, we became very close. And I told them, look, I need a celebrity for a movie because you know they reached out to me. It was for another horror movie. And um, and I said, you know, I'm thinking of Danielle Harris, and I'm thinking about some other celebrities. It's, it's funny, I didn't even think of Linnea. And then they said, you know, we know you're a big fan of the horror genre. What do you think about Linnea Quigley? I said, oh, my God, I'm a fan of hers. They were like, really? I said, yeah, you have no idea. I have pictures of hers. I have everything of hers. I, I wow. said, I'm a big fan of Linnea Quigley. They were like, well... We can get you her number. First, let's try to re reach her manager. I tried to re reach out to her manager. She was not helpful at all. She was a major biatch, excuse my language. She didn't help at all. So then I said, okay, she's not helping. Is there a way I could get her number? Well, you know what? Let me see what we can do. They got me her number. I reached out to Linnea. We became best of friends. I mean, now her and I are, like, tight. We're, like, good, good friends. Oh, that's great. And, um... So when the project came to my lap for celebrity for um, Best Laid Plans, immediately, originally, uh, Michael, right, Michael, you didn't have in mind to have um, a female for a celebrity. Part, and I kind of pitched him, and I told him, I said, you know what? Her part was not exactly. And Hudson wrote that character just for her. Yes, Michael specifically wrote her in because when I told him, I said, look, she's, she's got a big following. Uh, she still continues to do lots of horror movies. So then uh, I was able to reach out to her, and then, um, then I reached out. Through, I had to go through so much uh, red tape. I finally got Ed Neal from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now let me tell you something, and I'm sure Michael will vouch for me. This guy is probably the funniest individual I have ever met, Ed and I've hilarious. met so many celebrities. Ed that is hilarious. Interesting. And Interesting. just a walking encyclopedia of, like, Hollywood history and stories. Oh, that's and great. It's funny, too, this because... This guy is just... And let me tell you, so he, he does all these voices and everything. I don't know if you know that, but Ed Neal usually does voices for lots of animation. He does a lot um, of work with DC. He does a lot of work with, yeah. the, um, with DC with their newer yeah. videos. I was going to say, I could have, and I was wondering if it was the same guy, because when they, it would, is. you know, of course, I always watch the credits of stuff, because that's, you know, in our business, that's what we do, and whenever I see that, uh -huh. I notice that name, and I'm like, no, there's no way that's the same guy, it's the but same now you guy. just confirmed it, wow, look at that guy, it there is. you go, 
So let me ask yeah. you this. Let me ask you this. Um, so, you know, judging from what you're telling me, you've got these horror movie icons in your movie. So far, I'm not hearing a lot of horror-related stuff it's, in the no, plot itself. And I was, no, and I was just going to say, it's very much a comedy. And it was funny because when we pitched the idea to Linnea, she jumped on it. She was so happy because she was like, I'm getting to do something that's not a horror movie. Oh, wow. Like, I'm finally getting to do something right. that's not a horror movie. And that's she was wonderful. so right. happy. Uh, yeah, I get, mean, yeah. I, and that's one of the – I was just going to say, whenever you do something like that, it's different when you do some of the, you know, forgive me, some of the quote-unquote mainstream genres like, you know, rom-coms or dramas or, you know, superhero stuff. Or, well, no, no, I take that back. Forget I said superhero. You know, or dramas That's or anything like that. That's a very decent development, Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, well, the, I'll, I'll, say, I'll tell you why I, I canceled that one out. What I was going to say is when you start doing all those mainstream ones, you know, you're not necessarily pigeonholed. You can actually still branch out and do other stuff. But the minute you start doing anything in the horror or here comes the superhero, the superhero genre, that's it. More nine times out of ten, other directors not really going to go with you you as an option because they, they consider you either a liability because you've done horror and, you know, un- unfortunately, horror movie actors and actresses have gotten a bad rap. They, you know, a lot yeah. of people, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's really a shame. Yeah. And, I think and they think it's going it to confuse an audience. I, yeah. I think that's what it is, is they think that that person's um, actor baggage, if you will, uh, right. you know, will Well, you, you, you know, it's not far from the truth of what you said, because that's the problem with Linda Blair. That's what happened right. to her. Right, I was just going to mention she, her, yeah. She got, and you know, she's best friends with uh, Linnea Quigley. They became friends because they did the movie Savage Streets. She played her sister. Linnea played her dumb sister. And um, Linda Blair, let me tell you, she's a fabulous woman, too. Uh, That's another uh, person Michael has to meet. Uh, Linda Blair, I'm finding no new things uh, out there today. Now Linda Blair, she doesn't do acting anymore. She's she's somewhat retired. She dedicates her life to animals, right. and uh, she's always rescuing, and she has a charity for that. And uh, but Linda Blair, she when she did The Exorcist, she literally got stigmatized, and that's why she ended up doing the exploitation films. She did prison movies and a lot of horror movies. They weren't taking her seriously, which was really sad because she had a lot of talent. I mean, but she was amazing in The Exorcist. I mean, it is, it's such a shame. Yeah. She, that was one of the most – I mean, I have to be completely honest with you, and, and I'm sure that this is what they intended, but The Exorcist actually emotionally disturbed me to a very serious degree, and not many movies do that. I mean, when I usually watch a movie, I, I watch it not just as a fan but also as a prof- in a professional way. But when it came to The Exorcist, I just – I actually can't even watch that anymore. Um, because it actually touches me in a very, uh, um, you know, unfortunately in a bad way. Right. But I don't. I, I mean, I don't hold that against anybody, of course, because that's the movie that they did. You know, in this business, you got to do that. But unfortunately, it really put Linda in a really bad spot, and I know it affected her. In a because I've right. seen the interviews with her. Um, so let me ask right. you this. So I, I, you know, Michael, I think it's wonderful that you've cast these people. In, in this movie, and it, you know, now they, now together. they can, yeah, and now they can be seen doing that, you know, I mean, that's great, so, Marty, uh, so then, so, Michael, you, you knew Marty, obviously, before this movie was uh, realized, 
Uh, actually, no. In the process of trying to um, get some celebrities involved, basically what had happened was I had tried reaching out to a handful of people on my own accord, and it was just I was not getting the responses I wanted. It was taking weeks, a month and a half each time for people to get back to me. Um, and I happened to reach out to a friend of mine, uh, my, my dear friend Vanessa Saulnier, and she, I had asked her, I was like, you know some people in casting, don't you? Because Vanessa, she no longer lives here, um, but she lived in Florida for many years, and she worked as a, a makeup artist on a lot of films that were done around here. So I was like, you know some people in casting, don't you? And she was like, I know a guy. And she put me in touch uh, with our mutual friend Gabby, and then from there it just sort of spiraled into Marty getting involved. And the amazing thing was, um, again, this was a really low-budget picture, like a really, really low-budget picture. And when you actually see it, if I told you how much we spent, you wouldn't believe it because um, it's gonna, it looks so much better than that. But um, Marty read the script and, thank God, realized that, like, we had something there. And so, you know, he was willing to sort of come on board the project um, because he so believed in the writing and the work. Um, so, no, I, I didn't know Marty before this, actually. Okay. Now I consider him a very dear friend. Yeah, uh, no, I guess. So Kathy, and the I reason, and I think the reason, the reason my name came into um, Michael's ears was because I'm known here in South Florida to work my magic with really low budgets and independent films. Uh, because when we did The Killing of a Japanese Bookie, like you mentioned earlier, it's the remake or reinvention, if you want, of The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Starring Ben Gazzara and um, and um, Ben Gazzara, of course, you know was a big guy back in the day, and um, it was directed by Nick Cassavetes. I mean, the Godfather oh, of, oh, of oh. independent. John Cassavetes. Oh my gosh. Nick is the kid. Yes, he's the yeah. he's the Godfather of independent films, and I love oh, independent films. And let me tell you, I came on board with no freaking budget as a cast director, and I had to cast. 30 somewhat roles for that in South Florida. And Vanessa was aware of it. Gabby worked as a PA and assistant. So they got to, they got familiarized with my work. They were like, my God, this guy came through with literally no budget with all these great actors. I even managed to get the lead actress, one of the lead actresses from the original film, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. I got Donna Gordon. And oh, wow. Donna Gordon was one of the top burlesque woman back in the 70s. I don't know if you knew that in Vegas. She used to perform for um, Telly Savalas, Nick Cassavetes, all these people. Hmm. Um, so I managed to get her to do the movie with no pay. I managed wow. to house her. I accommodated her. Um, I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote a scene in for her because she didn't want to just do a little extra role. She wanted to have like a night a nice little small significant role and I wrote her in as the mother of her character in in the killing of a Japanese bookie. And that's how she came in. So I guess my reputation came from there that Marty can work his magic with no budget. So imagine what he could do with a budget. Somewhat of a budget. And um that's what I did. And I I think I proved myself, right Michael? <laughs> I don't know. No, I hope I did. No, no. Uh, absolutely did um and and realistically you know we would not have been able to make the film without getting the names involved that we did 
Um, so yeah, no, you, you absolutely were an essential, uh, part of that process. And really, I mean, if you're just starting out, you know, making your first or second feature as a director, um, or even a producer, I, I really can't stress enough the importance of, um, of having a casting director as a friend. Um, because right. you, really you need, you need that person. Um, let me ask you, let me ask you this then. I mean, so, you know. Of course, when you're dealing with independent film, low to no budget or shoestring budget is pretty much a given or at the very least, uh, you know, something that you, many of us uh, in that industry are very familiar with. And, you know, I'm sure many of the uh, audience out there is wondering, aside from providing housing when you can and obviously food and stuff like that, what are some other things, Marty, that you can offer to some of these uh, talent? Because, you know, one of the biggest uh, biggest taboos nowadays, especially, is the the dreaded words. I'll pay you with experience, or you know you'll mm. you'll get you, you know what I mean. Like that's that's basically um, you know you'll get credit. You'll get you know and and uh, one of the things like um, especially like, or, deferred, or deferred or deferred payment. payment. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I yeah. couldn't get the word in my head. That's what I was looking for. Uh -huh. So what are some if if you had come up to a talent, for example that you were interested in and you told them this and they immediately started, you know, doing the backpedaling, what would be some of the things you could tell talent out there that are in this kind of mindset to get them on board this independent film circus or train or whatever? I would say independent film is the best thing for all those that want to start out because the thing is in this industry, uh, unfortunately, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. And another portion of it is you getting the experience necessary and building that resume. And the thing is, no one's going to give you your break. Uh, and right. you're going to have to make your breaks. Did so you independent films is a great guy? way to get started. Yeah. I'm sorry? No, no, I was just telling the audience. So independent films. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what great way, what better way to other than taking acting classes what's better than acting classes than is just actually being on set physically being on set learning the ropes hands-on doing an independent film even if it's non-paid student films I, I i highly recommend it i tell my talent all the time because i have a talent agency i would rather you do pro bono uh, as student films and independent films than, than, than to do extra work that's paid. Extra work will not build your career. You will not be taken seriously as an actor. You have to build your resume. You have to get the experience. So, not, yeah, and then and, you and need an acting demo reel. Right, right. What, and that's what, not the first time I've heard that. Either. I mean, I'm, yeah, and, and, and you know, it's, I'm so glad you said that because that's an, I've heard that many times. I mean, in fact, the panel that I, uh, the Call Your Agent panel that I filmed, uh, over the past weekend at the Gasparilla International Film Festival, one of the casting directors actually uh, said something very similar to what you said, which is, you know, do student films, get out there. Now, uh, you know, they also did, you know, they, uh, you know, some of them did say, you know, go for it, do the extra work, which is fine. I'm, not, you know, I know you're not saying not to do that, but you know, absolutely, mm -hmm. doing the student stuff, doing the the pro bono when you can is great. And I mean, I, you know. There's a reason why 
star the word starving artist is so well known in our industry, and that's because it is a reality, unfortunately. And oh, you know, and you, and, really you, and you know what? Let's 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 take a look at a lot of the starts for everyone. Angelina Jolie, she started out doing independent films because no one would give her a break. Her father and her her father and her did not speak, John Voight and her. So she decided she was going to make it on her own. Use Angelina Jolie as a platform, as an yeah. example. She did not ride on her father's coattails. That's why my hat goes off to that girl. She yeah. did nudity. Yeah. She played a lesbian. She did the movie Firefox. That was an That's independent right. film. Look at it. She right. played a lesbian. And, and look at all these other celebrities. They started off doing independent films, and then they, made them, they, they crossed over into the mainstream. So that's how you have to start. And if you have all these limitations as an actor, I don't do love scenes because I'm married, I have a boyfriend, you won't make it in this industry. Right. No, you have right. to be willing you have to be willing to do what most other actors I'm not saying to go against your principles, you know, uh, you know, for whatever for whatever it is, you know, let's say I'm not saying if you don't want to play a lesbian or a gay guy, that's fine. But you can't be with so many obstacles because the more you say no, the next actor that goes in that casting room will be willing to do it, and exactly. they're going to get the role. Yeah, so. and you know, exactly. I mean, if you want to be able to do that, then get get your name out there first and get make it so that when you walk into a room, they say, oh, hey, you know, Marty, because they know who you are already. Then, and even then, I still wouldn't say don't do it, but, you know. And it's true. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. I did a very long time – well, what seems like a long time ago, uh, I did this one independent film called Escape from Cuba. And uh, it was done by a film company that actually came here from L.A. and filmed in Fort Myers. And I played – I was on scene – I was on in, in film in the – oh, my goodness gracious. I was on camera. <laughs> thank you. I was on camera for a very short period of time, but um, apparently – the director loved my scene the most out of the entire film. And all I only said one line. I only said one line, and that was discotheque. And that, the, I had to walk into that audition, and I sold him just by saying discotheque. And the uh -huh. reason I'm telling you this story is because if you can impress the person that you're going into audition, and you, mm -hmm. make, and you make yourself and you show them your talent – you never know what's going to end up happening. Well, guess what? That same guy that I auditioned with ended up doing a ton of television shows and movies in Hollywood to this day. And there I you still go. Keep in, yeah, and I still keep in contact with those guys. They, I mean, they're doing mostly all their stuff in L.A., but still. And, you know, I mean, it's don't shut yourself off just because you see independent. You know, because you, right. you, you never know. You never know who's behind it. You know, when I did From the Earth to the Moon, one of the, uh, d the DOPs, the directors of photography, was a former independent filmmaker. And, and that was like, I mean, and he still did it, you know. So let me ask right. you this, um, Marty, what, what are you – so I, you said that you're done casting for the Fat Camp Massacre. Yes, the music video. I did, yeah. a, I did a casting for another horror movie called The Everglades Killing, which is getting great reviews. That's a horror movie. And Linnea has a small role. I cast her. She plays a bartender in it. And then there's, um, of course, Best Laid Plants. And then there's another horror film. Once they fix the legalities, uh, it's called Evil Dark. That's another horror film that I uh, did a casting for. So, and right now I'm in the 
crossing my fingers, I might be landing a sizzle reel for a pilot. That means this industry is very weird. Let me tell you, it's like a revolving door. You have talents, they come into you. They're, they, they come in at first, they're very humble, they're eager, they're willing, they're starving, they want their first break. Once you start getting them their feet wet and you get them to cast and you get them booked and they build their resume, all of a sudden they become egotistical, they're, yeah. all of a sudden they become uh, unavailable, things are not good enough for them, so then you have to start replacing the talent. It's like a cycle. I've been doing this for like 10 years. So we were talking about different celebrities and, and everything, and what were you saying, um, Marty? I said, you know, it's you know, the talent after a while they, they they lose their humility. They become like very egotistical. Even with celebrities, you know, some celebrities are still humble, they stay grounded, but some of them they just like very nasty. You know? I mean some of them like like Jennifer Lopez. I mean, the girl says she's from the block. I grew up in the hood, okay? <laughs> I, I'm sure you read my bio. Yes, yes. I really grew up in the hood. She grew up in Parkchester. That was not the hood. Jennifer Lopez, I'm sorry to tell you, that was not the hood. I grew up in the South Bronx. All right, J-Lo, Marty. Marty in the Bronx. Marty's calling you out, J-Lo. I just saw her. Yeah, J-Lo is full of shit, okay? Let me tell you about J-Lo. She is not a nice person. I booked talent on her music video, and I hope she hears this so she can learn to be more humble. She is not a nice person. She has an entourage. You cannot look at her or talk to her. If you do, you get thrown off the set. That is not a humble person, so then especially the one that claims to from the So then the rumors her about her are true. Yeah. It yes, it um, is. She's not nice. I'm telling you. Let me tell you something. The horror stars, and I'm a big horror fan, most of the horror icons you meet are nice. Yeah. Cassandra Peterson, Tom Savini, all these people are nice. Michael Rooker, all these people are nice. Linnea Quigley, but uh, these people, like Jennifer Lopez, she's not nice. Oh, she's not nice at all. She's Here, Marty, I want to yeah. tell you yeah. a story. Cause this go ahead. Supplement you're saying. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I just say, Marty, we got to stop you here for a second. Uh, <laughs> I know he wants to get this out. You totally back, just J, just J, Michael, just J Lo him. Just interrupt him, man. Don't yeah, cut no, it. Yeah, for real. I'm, I'm gonna have to commit. <laughs> Can't be thrown uh, off the radio. <laughs> so, just saw her on the Daily Show recently, and she was being interviewed by Trevor Noah, and it was funny because like he was trying to talk about how nice she was, and all of his responses. You know how you can tell when somebody has perfected the art of acting nice? Yeah, for the yeah. Know everything they're saying, they're full of shit. That was her. Yeah, like, it yeah. was so obvious she was lying. And it was funny because <laughs> he ended the interview by asking her um, if she really was from the block by trying to ask her a couple questions about the subway. Yeah. And she couldn't answer them. And she was like, <laughs> did all of this change? And he was like, you were busy making money. And I was just like, well said, Trevor Noah. Oh, it's um, true. No, it, it's completely 100%. First, first of all, anyone who's from the South Bronx, like me, knows the six trains don't lead to the real bad parts. It's the two and the five train. Okay, so okay. get it straight, J-Lo, okay? It's all right, the two well, and the five. I'm glad you said that. Real bad. I, I wouldn't know anything about that. I mean, now, if you ask me about how to get to Ebor from like, from, like, Raymond James Stadium, I could tell you. 
But if somebody were to give ask me directions right. to be going like where the where the Bronx is, I'd be like, uh, you know, you get a plane, you go to New York, and uh, you say, yo, 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 I want the Bronx. You'll probably get beat up, but you know, at least you'll get there. So. Yeah. But, right. well, 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 I mean. Well, I, I well, you know, sometimes well, the, the crazy celebrities, the ones you hear so much negative stuff, they're the nicest people. Tom Cruise, when my talent did Rock of Ages, because Rock of Ages shot here in South Florida, okay? Right, right. Um, I booked over 200 extras on the Rock of Ages. They had to play punk rockers when he was performing. And let me tell you, the guy was so humble and nice. He got on the stage and he thanked them. He said that how extras were very important. And you know what he did? He bought every single extra ice cream out of his pocket. And there were about 300 extras. Okay, that to me is a nice person. And you know what? That doesn't doesn't surprise me. He can afford it. Let's be real. It's not like that broken thing. No, I I get that. But you know what? You know what, Michael, though? But you know, yeah, exactly. And and what I was going to say is that doesn't surprise me at all. Because when when I did, and I'm sorry, I'm going to mention it again. When I did From the Earth to the Moon, I actually met Tom in person. And it was a funny, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just say this very quickly. Um, You know, at the time, I didn't have my own car. My dad was driving me. And we went, you know, we had to go to this ballroom because they were doing the uh, the scene where all the astronauts, which I was one of them, uh, were doing like the award ceremony for the astronauts. So we weren't sure where to park. So I told Dad, I said, you know, Bobby, uh, you know, let, just let me off here. I'll ask somebody. I'll ask one of the crew people. And so I got off the car. I went inside the ballroom, and I saw this guy in a Hawaiian shirt, flip-flops and all that. And I asked him, I said, excuse me, sir, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to disturb you, but – uh, I'm one of the extras, and I don't know where to park. And very politely, he he told me where to go, and then I, I, I left. Well, when we came back in to go to the corral room, um, which, by the way, for those of you that don't know, the corral room is where they put all the all – the, when they have these massive castings, that's where they put all the ca- the, the extras. And, and, and it's called different things in different productions. Anyway, so I go into the corral room, and lo and behold, here comes the PA, the production assistant. Right behind her, here comes the guy in the Hawaiian shirt. And then I got a good look at him. It was Tom Hanks. So the guy that was giving mm-hmm. me flipping directions. Now, he could have told me to go to hell. He could have said, uh, right. he said, you know, hey, dude, I'm Tom Hanks. Who the hell do you think you are talking to me like I'm nobody? But no. And he, and I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, come on, Emmy. It was just the directions. But you really don't understand that when – and I know Michael and Marty understand this, and a lot of you guys that are in the business know this. When you're doing a film production, mm-hmm. you know – it, the atmosphere is not necessarily casual, you know. No, you, you, no, you, it's, it's not. It's, it's very, very stressed. It's very high energy. Yeah, I think that people make too is that they're like, oh, um, you know, I'll, I'll go do film. Like I'll get into film. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. No, I mean, look, there, there will be there will be aspects that will be fun, but be the fun. majority of the time, you're going to be going it's, nuts. Yes, so, it's worth in the job. Exactly. Well, something that exactly. I wanted to throw in too. Um, yeah, please. We talked I was about say, this before. Yeah. We were talking about you know not saying no and sort of keeping your options open, and you know a big part of me making this feature in the first place was like I was saying I was having trouble getting meetings when I was in New York, and I consulted with with you know a variety of people in the industry up there, and they all said the same thing, which is if you want to be taken seriously. You, you as a director, producer, whatever, you have to make a feature. Right. You just you have to do it. Right. Um, so, I mean, really, if you're a writer and you're trying to get your stuff made, direct it yourself. You know, produce it yourself. 
Um, nobody is going to hand you that break. Nobody is going to hand you that break. And so you and, have to... And, and if I, I'm going to give a little bit of advice, too, about independent films. If you're going to do an independent film and you have people that believe in you and are loyal to you and they could wear many hats, because when you do independent films, it's not like a big, per, a big production um, type of set. When you go to a big production set, you're going to see hundreds of people, okay? When you do an independent film, you'll see maybe 20 people at most, and every right. person has and more than one hat So if you have people that are script supervisor, yet PA, and yet a location uh, uh, a scouter, uh, that helps with the independent films because everyone has to wear many hats. And in my case, oftentimes, I'm not just a cast director. I always come in sometimes helping them with props and locations and wardrobe and, mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. Um, I think it helps immensely with independent films when you have, like I said, people that believe in you, loyal, uh, are pleasant to be around. Because let me tell you, filmmaking is not easy. No. It's not. It's a lot not of work. Not even close. Yeah, and that's why, like, it's really frustrating when I, I have a friend in the Tampa area who does uh, vocational rehab. And part of her job is she works uh, with high school kids. And we were talking about this recently, and she mentioned to me that, you know, a lot of that work involves her asking the kids, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they all want to be famous. They all want to be insta-famous. Um, but... You know, she and I mean like Instagram famous, not just the speed. No, um, I know what you mean. I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to clarify the true ridiculousness of that statement. <laughs> but I immediately after I was like, Do any of them ever mention like going to an acting school or a conservatory, a film school? You know, if they, they want to start a band, do they have any interest in taking like music theory classes? She was like, Nope, they never bring that up and I was like, That is your problem right there. Yep. To treat this as a job, and right. I mean, even for me in my professional life, um, you know, I, I by trade I'm a freelance screenwriter. That that's the vast majority of the work I do now. Um, which, by the way, quick plug here: uh, if you're interested in any way, shape, or form in contacting me about those services, uh, shoot me an email at mlwriter, so ml and then the word writer, 1202 at gmail.com. Um, and if you're looking to have a script commissioned or a play, a short script, even if you need like a commercial written, um, anything script related, uh, if you're trying to turn, let's say you have a great idea for a movie, uh, but you don't know how to get it into movie form, um, by all means, shoot me an email. Or if you're a producer who has an idea and you need a writer to work with, by all means, shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to you. Um, and let me tell you, I don't know if the viewers by now haven't sensed that I'm a blunt person. I tell it the way it is. Um, I will say <laughs> Michael yeah, is very talented, and I'm not saying it because he's right here with me. He is very talented. He's a talented young man, you know, because he could be my son. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's very talented. I, he's very funny. His script was very funny. Uh, when I had to forward his script to Linnea before she approved the role, she was in stitches. I mean, she just loved it. I mean, so uh, he's very talented. The man's very talented, and I see a bright future for him. So, you know, if anybody out there is looking for a great writer, yes, I highly recommend Michael LaCastri. And if I'm wrong, you can have my head on a platter. There you go. <laughs>
Well, there you go. And, you know, before we go, we are, are actually our time is actually getting close to being up here, guys. So before we okay. go, um, Marty, um, I, we were talking earlier about possibly doing some sort of auditioning session so that you can get some uh, a new talent for your pull file. So can you very briefly – uh, tell the talent, because uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull this this portion of our interview just for now, for tonight, and post it separately so that the talent can get ready. Can you very quickly um, say so um, in conjunction, in, in – in, uh, how should we say this? In, in connection, I guess, with the graveyard shift? I don't know. What's a better way of saying that? In um, no. In collaboration? In collaboration. Thank you. See – and man, okay. Michael, and I thought you were the writer, Michael. No, I'm just messing around. I'm messing around. I'm a writer too. No, so yeah, can you say in collaboration? <laughs> yeah. So when you so if you can say, Marty, in collaboration with the graveyard shift, I'm offering uh I, I'm I would like to add, add to my talent profile. So um if you could please send me a short, you know, whatever however long clip you need of of a monologue or, or, or something. And tag Emmy on on Facebook, and then uh, you know we'll I'll, I'll choose however many you feel is necessary, whether it's five, ten, whatever. I don't want to you know burden you with a number. You whatever you're comfortable with, and then you know we'll make it a big deal. We'll do like a, oh that's your prize. You're on Marty's pull file. So there you go. Uh -huh. you okay, <laughs> sure. You, yeah. So you just, know, uh, you know it's funny because um, right now I'm submitting talent. There's a new series coming out. It's called Las Reinas which means the princesses in Spanish. Yeah, and it's yeah. not a Spanish series. It's actually an English series with Daniela Alonso and Sonia Braga. And um, oh, so wow. I'm going to be needing actors to put in that show. So this will be a, a great chance, you know, if they're looking for representation and reputable, they can, um, you know, submit their stuff. Absolutely. Right. That, so that, there you go. And is that a paid project, or is that is that one of the deals that? Yes, you it's paid. I don't do I don't do pro bono. <laughs> I do okay. paid stuff. So then maybe so, so definitely don't that. pay me. Right, right. Yeah. So okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say when when it, when you hear me say action, then we're gonna go into it, and then right after that, Michael, I'll I'll go back into the interview. Actually, you know what? We'll we'll end the interview now, and then we'll do the thing with you and with you and me, Marty. Okay. Sure. Okay. Well, okay. So let's. That, um, can I kind of finish my thought real quick? Because there was sure. a point in me bringing that up. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah. Go. Okay, yeah, before, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Um, as I was mentioning, when you do freelance work, uh, I've seen people online that are like, I want you to write a script for $200, $300. And I always tell them no, um, because that takes weeks at a time. And this is a skill. It's a trade. Um, and. Right. You know, those of us that take this seriously and do this for a living, I think it's very condescending when, when somebody wants to give you basically circus peanuts to, um, to, to either, you know, write a movie or edit one, whatever your job is. Um, so, you know, hold yourself to a standard. That's the other thing. Um, you know, don't – and if you're looking, if you're a potential client, you know, please treat that creative with respect. This is how we make our yep. living. Like, like please exactly. – yeah, I just wanted to say that real quickly. No, 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 and I think that's the perf. I mean, that's perfect, and that's the best. That's a great way to to end the interview on. And just very quickly, so Michael and Marty, when people want to see this movie, so do we know when it's coming out to theaters or where? Uh, where we are we are going to. Um, I can't say right now. There will be a screening that will be open to the public in a few months. 
um, when I'm able to publicly release that information, if you want to have me back on the show, I'll be more than happy to talk about it. Um, I just can't say now, but there will be a one-time-only, though, uh, screening that's open to the public before we start submitting, um, because we want to do Sundance, South by Southwest. We want to start submitting to some festivals, and then via that, try to get a distribution deal. That's great, and we definitely would like, you know, if, if possible, to see if the Graveyard Shift can get in on that and, and you know, maybe cover the, the screening or, you know, whatever, you know, you, you know Absolutely. that I'm, I'm totally indispensable to your, or whatever the, where the one is that's available. If I'm Absolutely. Using that. And listen, if you, if, you want, if you want a Linnea to do an interview with you, too, I know the viewers because it's the horror genre oh, type thing. Oh, absolutely, I, I would. Can, I, I can get that for you. I can arrange that Yeah, I would that love that. Thank okay. you, Marty. So, guys, I want to thank both sure. of you so much for this wonderful interview. I think it's been one of the best ones I've had in recent memory. And sure. um, I want oh, to thank, thank you both for much. your time. So, uh, guys, there you go. And, and um, we hope to have you back on the show soon. Thank Absolutely. you very much.